2: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäbe sein Lied.
2: Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. And today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, We are joined first by Dan Rutschdin from the Orange County SC football club, the USL Championship football club. And then later on, I'm going to have Patrick Karkowski on, uh, the goalkeeper of Orange County SC. And the reason we're doing this is because they are hosting Hamburgers for the second Bundesliga side, a giant of German football, next week, November 15th, um, at their stadium. And to first start with all of this, I have Dan, well, he prefers to be called on this show at least, Dan Rutstein. Dan, how's it going? First of Mm -hmm. all, who are you? Why are you important? And why is it important that
0: we talk to you right now about this game? So hi, guten Tag. So it's it's great to it's great to be on this podcast uh, as somebody who is a fan of German football and has probably in the last ten years seen as many games in Germany as I have anywhere else, apart from when I'm working, which I do as president of Orange County Soccer Club. So we are currently, for at least the next few days, still the champions of the USL, which is the second tier in the US behind um, the MLS and our season unfortunately ended without any playoff run this year despite being champions the previous year but we have one exciting game left before the end of the year which is the visits of our German friends and we're very excited to have Hamburg come to our stadium grace our field with their excellent football and gives us an excuse to have a German style beer festival. I,
2: I think you know I want to start start with the beer festival first because I have talked to some friends in Germany about the way you advertise this game, and there were some question marks raised. And so I think we should start with that first after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at BetOnline and is your continued source for all sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to promo code Believe, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. That's it. B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. So, yeah, Dan, <laughs> the beer festival. I saw a lot of Lederhosen, and uh, I'm from Munich. I'm Bavarian. This is where I'm from. Um, I do live long on the West Coast of Canada, and I cover American football quite a bit for Transfermarkt and other outlets. Um, but especially at the Transfermarkt office, my friends, uh, the HQ there is in Hamburg, and they're like, why are they advertising this with Lederhosen and uh, Oktoberfest-style beer festival? I... I Couldn't answer that question. Um, I know that it's America and sometimes, you know, the different cultural aspects get a little bit confused, but I think there is actually more to this story, um, right? Because this is actually something that Orange County does regardless of who they're playing, right? Yeah, so it's interesting. We
0: found ourselves slightly trapped in a place where we were possibly offending both (laughs) Americans and Germans at the same time. So, we, you know, it's one of the great things. As somebody who grew up watching see football in England where you go to the pub, you turn up at the stadium one minute before kickoff, you watch the game, you leave immediately and you go to the pub afterwards. That's the mm-hmm. very much the model. Um, and I think in Europe, it's, it's broadly the same. But in America, the whole way football matches are conducted and every sport here is very different. Fans get to the yeah. stadium earlier, there's a lot more entertainment beyond just what's on the field. And mm-hmm. we're a big proponent of that sort of, entertainment for everybody so we have for a number of years now been running beer fests and it's a it's a really big part of how we run our stadium so the way the stadium's set up there's seats on three sides and at one end is the fan zone which is an open area and three times a year we have a beer fest where a thousand people come and they drink beer and they watch the football and Some of them are football fans who like beer and some of them are beer fans who like football and some of them are just beer fans, but they come because it's a legitimate beer fest. So the sort of model of having a beer fest is something that we've done before. So obviously when we found out we were playing a German team, we thought the obvious thing to do would be have a German-style beer festival. Now, you'll know this as somebody who lives in North America. In America, if you ask people, you know, what a German beer fest is, all they know is Oktoberfest with... The Bavarian colours and the Bavarian beer and and pretzels, giant pretzels. And that's how Americans understand sort of Germany and German drinking. And even the German-style bars all over America that run Oktoberfest, they don't really distinguish it as a Bavarian event. It's just a German event. So if we had tried to promote this as pills and Fischbröchen, I'm not sure. <laughs> the American audience would have understood what we were doing so in order to make it appealing to the Americans we had to make it a German style beer fest which they understand as a Bavarian beer fest so obviously as somebody who has lived in Germany um, you know, I lived in uh, in Berlin and Dusseldorf and obviously right. I understand the importance of German beer culture so obviously living in Dusseldorf if you, you have to be careful not mm. to drink Kolsch uh, you know it can be Literally, the next town over. You can offend people if you drink the wrong beer. So I knew that when we promoted this Bavarian-style beer festival, we would probably not offend any Americans, but any Germans would think, you know, what are we doing? This is the wrong part of Germany. But we had to make it appealing for the broader American audience. But at the at the event itself, there will be there will be pretzels, uh, and you will have that blue and white. Um, Decorations that you see at a normal Oktoberfest, but f- the lead beer in the beer fest is Kearney Pils, who are oh. a sponsor of Hamburg. Um, so we're getting the beer right, even if some of the branding is not quite accurate. Sourcing fish was a little bit harder than uh, we thought, so it'll be it'll be bratwurst. I, I was going to ask, do you have buckfish
2: and fish in there? <laughs>
0: no, unfortunately, <laughs> not. So it's <laughs> you know. I don't know if uh, where you live, obviously, in Vancouver, if you suddenly at a week's notice had to find somebody who could make fish brought in for up to 4,000 people, I'm not sure you'd be able to do it. So it's going to yeah. be... Yeah, that would be hard. <laughs> not worst, but at least the beer is authentic. Are you going to have currywurst? Um, so I don't think we're able to... I think it's, again, we're having to go for the, uh, the simpler version of an American american hosted german style beer fest so um yeah some of the regional specialities and uh you know we're not going to have spetzler we're not going to have some of the things that i would like to have um we are it's going to have to be what we can source and we are working with um a german partner locally there's a big bar in huntington beach called old world who are a german bar who've just finished three weeks of Oktoberfest, and they are working with us on the catering so we'll have We will have uh, potato salad. We will have sauerkraut, um, the sort of German-style mustard. Um, And we'll have pretzels and bratwurst. Well, I think the thing is, too,
2: wherever you go in America, there is Germans make up the largest group of Americans, right, historically. Um, So you will always find a lot of people with a German background. And I think Orange County is one of those places that has quite a strong German community, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. Um, you know, obviously there. I mean, there's three separate German-style bars that are running in this area, and they, and obviously during Oktoberfest, everybody goes. But they do cater for the German community all year round. Um, so yeah, and I think obviously when a German football team comes to play then the the German community are coming out for this. So we've noticed in terms of the sort of ticket sales that there's been a lot of new fans at the game who, you know, obviously know German football, but maybe didn't know about who Orange County were. And either they're Hamburg fans or they're just, you know, Bundesliga fans more broadly and want to come out and explore this local football team.
2: I hope. How big of a deal is it? I know Hamburgers, foul, uh, those who follow the Bundesliga, yes, they are a giant of German football. Um, they are one of the big teams, but they've also played in the second division for now five years, right? And I, I always like to remind my colleagues in Hamburg about this, that they're a second division city. Um, but they are still a big name in German football. So how important is it for you as a club, as a second division club in the United States, um, you know, a USL champion, nonetheless, to have a team like that come over? Is How big of a deal is it? And
0: how has the response been like in the community? Yeah, look, that's a great question. And the answer is, it's been significant. I think you don't need to know an enormous amount about football to know that there's something special about Hamburg, you know, mm. whether it's, the European champions, whether it's because of Kevin Keegan, whether you know, a lot of Tottenham fans are very pleased that it was Hamburg who sold them arguably their best player behind Carrie Kane. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a real tradition to that club and everyone's heard of Hamburg, the place. So it's got real name recognition here. And I think for us, you know, we're in a difficult position as, you know we're a, obviously a professional club, we're champions of our league. But we play in a small stadium. It's a a 5,500-seat stadium. So the economics of visits from big European teams is complicated. We'd love to play, you know, a championship team um, from the UK or, you know, a top-level team from Europe. But the economics of even if you sell every seat in that stadium at a premium, it becomes quite hard to cover the costs. Particularly, you know, you look at when European teams come out here, I remember going to watch Real Madrid against Manchester City in front of 90,000 people at the Coliseum. the 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 business model for that is a lot clearer. So, you know, for us, it's hard to attract teams just because, you know, even if you could outsell the stadium 10 times, which would cover the cost, it's hard when you can only sell 5,500 tickets. So for us to get a team like Hamburg is hugely important. We see ourselves as much more than just a USL team trying to sell hot dogs and beer to our fans. We are our, our club motto is community heart, global vision. And mm-hmm. we were the first team in the USL to pioneer the sort of European transfer model. So we have a a launch pad where you know young players come and play with us and the the aim is we try and get them into European teams. And this year we sold our centre-back, Kobe Henry, who is the US yeah. under-20 captain, we sold him to Stade Reyes in France for a transfer fee which shattered the league record for fees. And he's the fourth player that we've sold to a European team. So as a club, we're, we've got a very different model to some of our other teams who are just about, you know, winning the league and selling hot dogs. We're trying to create a pathway for players into Europe. And, you know... We're very well connected at the international level because of our coaches and our technical director um, and the soccer president and therefore we are able to to do things like this and we're very excited to have a team like Hamburg come out I mean they're an incredible team with an incredible history and Yes, they are temporarily probably in the second division, but it won't be long before I'm sure they're back in the Bundesliga. And their their fans act as if they're still in the Bundesliga in terms of how many people turn up at the stadium. So yeah. we're very pleased to have them here. I'm laughing because
2: like, I'm thinking of all my poor colleagues in Hamburg. But um, <laughs> I, I, there's two there's a twofold question that's coming next. First of all, you're talking about your club being this launch pad and Kobe Henry is, is a great example, right? Um, A player that is very promising. Uh, We featured him quite highly when, when the transfer did happen on Transfermarkt. And I think the fee is uh, if you follow Transfermarkt, I think you figure out the fee too. But first, so the first question then uh, for me is um, how important is that a game like that to build a network? or to increase the network with teams in Europe because Germany is obviously a place where a lot of Americans go to play, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it's all part of our overall journey. So obviously this game is important. You know, our fans will enjoy the game on and off the field. But, you know, on a technical level, it's a chance, you know, when we play the game next week, some of our young stars will be playing in that game. And so... We have a young lad, Karede uh, Ossendinia, who took over from Kobe as the captain of the US under-20 team. Um, and he's a fantastic player who we think will be in Europe one day. Um, and this is a chance for him to test himself um, against you know, a top side in Europe. So I think for our players, this is a really important opportunity to showcase themselves, to understand the level of football that's played elsewhere. Um, and it's a unique opportunity you know but i mean the usl is a great standard and increasing over time and there are a number of players beginning to be transferred but you know we're not going to go on a european tour anytime soon so this is a great chance for our players to play against top level opposition
2: yeah and this again i want to stress this the game is on november 15th um, and also the usl championship and I, I find the competition extremely interesting because of the many young talented players that play in it. Um in terms of growing the game then, and I know this is this is again this goes both ways, doesn't it? Hamburg SV don't come to the United States for poor pleasure. Uh, there is there is a motive here that they want to grow the Bundesliga, well or the second Bundesliga, the Bundesliga overall, uh, in the United States. And that is that is something that um German football has been pushing as a goal for the next few years. Um, I spoke to decision makers at Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is a club that comes out very often and they have stressed that more German teams need to come to the United States. How important do you think it is? Because the Premier League has such a huge footprint in the US, right? How important do you think it is for German teams to come to the United States and really not only play games against other big teams from Europe, but also really come to community-based teams like yours and say, we acknowledge that your community exists this is a real football community and we want to leave a real print
0: imprint here yeah i mean that's a great question and i think the importance of the us is is enormous now anyone who's been to north america it's just the the scale and the size here it's just it's it's hard to get your head around if you haven't been um and you know I mean, we were talking just before we started recording you know you you took a a short flight down to the MLS Cup. Um, yeah. You know, it's a two-hour flight. And, you know, if you fly from Germany or from England for two hours, you end up crossing a few different countries to land in a different country. And here, you know, I, I used to fly to New York for lunch meetings. Uh, is a five-hour flight, which would be like flying to Egypt for lunch from Europe. You know, the, it's an enormous country. Um, and the economic opportunities are incredible here. The growth is incredible Obviously, America's hosting the World Cup again um, in a few years' time, and I think that will be incredible for growth here. You look at the the way MLS is growing. The franchises are now worth, you know, some of them are worth a few hundred million each. It's overtaking hockey as a... It's 350 million euros, uh, dollars now,
2: sorry, not euros,
0: although that's the same these days. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and for, in terms of participation... For young players, mm. football is the sport that they're playing. Um, there's a movement away from American football because of concerns about injury. Baseball, uh, still very popular, but it's becoming less so as a, a as a sport to watch. Uh, football is the growing sport here, uh, men's and women's. And people can see that. And just because of the size of the com- country, the the scale of opportunity is enormous. And commercially as well. I mean, in the old days, you know, 20 years ago, teams would you know, European teams would just play against other European teams for their pre-season. Um, and then obviously they started making these trips out to, to, to Asia um, as part of building fan bases. But now you see it, you know, over the last few years in America, filling these college stadiums, which are the biggest yeah. stadiums you'll find, you know, 90,000 people watching Premier League teams play against each other. You know, people have realised the real value over here. And the Premier League are very, very good at exporting the game and have a really strong footprint over here. But, obviously, see, the Bundesliga is very popular. It's a great standard of play. There's a lot of, you know, Americans playing there now. It's on ESPN. Um, we, you know, our game is going to be televised on ESPN+, Plus, which was an easy decision for them because the Bundesliga and Bundesliga zwei are already on there and we play on there every game as well. Um, so it's a really important opportunity. And I think, you know, the Bundesliga know that America is huge and obviously with the World Cup coming as well. So there's a great opportunity for the clubs, for their, for their sponsors who are active in this market. There's a great opportunity as well. So I think everyone can see the potential in America. And the MLS is obviously a high-profile league, but the USL is the fastest-growing second-tier league in the world. And yeah. the standard is high. And I think people are realizing there's an opportunity there because the transfer model is different. It's easier to move players. So I think you're going to see more and more USL players moving to German clubs and the German clubs wanting to engage with USL teams because it's a great model to build on. Yeah, I, I, I just want to like highlight
2: a couple of things here about the USL Championship. There is no salary cap right then, yep. um, which is a huge difference to Major League Soccer. And also, clubs are not centralised as one entity as they are in MLS. Um, I think that's a huge difference as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not a franchise system. No, no. no. So the clubs
0: are individually owned, and yeah, so the players are owned by the clubs rather than owned by elite. the clubs. And that changes the whole model. So the yeah. you know the, uh, MLS is a is a great product, but it's it's Absolutely. growing up in the American model, which is followed in basketball and. You know, where, and, and American football and baseball, where that's sort of the only league that matters. Now, obviously, that's beginning to change and obviously they are transferring players in and out. But it was, part of the reason MLS struggled at the beginning, why the US national team struggled is they didn't really understand how it fits into the world game. And the USL is very forward thinking in that in that idea and the sporting director for the league has talked about whether at some point the usl moves to european seasons because at the moment we play the summer um and so moving to european seasons so that actually if we play september to march or september to may it makes transfers easier there's potential for promotion and relegation at some stages you know the usl is modeling itself on what we would call real football rather than just the sort of the commercial model that you see in American sport. And I think that makes a big difference. And What ball well, is it meant to be? That sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> what is meant to be, indeed. <laughs> That's just like
2: the, the Bundesliga slogan. Um, this is all super fascinating. I still have a few things to touch on. I, I want to just stress how interesting the USL is and especially team names. Uh, one of the great tragedies of Major League Soccer, and it's a league that I follow closely and I enjoy quite a lot, so I don't, I don't want to poo-poo the MLS, as a lot of people do, um, is that they no longer use North American nicknames. This is not something that's going on in the USL Championship. Check out some of the names. You can find the full database on Transfermarkt. Uh, the names are fantastic, Dan. Uh, some of the team names that you find in USL Championship and USL 2, are just great. Uh, But I do want to touch on one subject that made headlines in the United States, and that was your club's, I don't want to say conflict is the right word, or is it, with the LA Galaxy um, and the stadium. And I think that was a great example of what a great community Orange County has developed um, within Orange County, right? This is where the club is located um, the rallying of the community to preserve the club's future and secure the stadium. Can you run us just through there what happened real quick, and how did you ultimately get it resolved?
0: Yeah, and I think conflict is the right word. So we, like a lot of teams, we play in somebody else's stadium. So we we rent the stadium from the city of Irvine, mm-hmm. and we've been playing there for years. You know, other professional teams play there as well, but we are the sort of highest level team who play there, and it's a great, it's a it's a beautiful stadium. And when the Hamburg guys came to visit for their sort of pre visit, they were they were amazed at how beautiful it is. It's you know, it's a small stadium sitting there with views of the mountains behind. It's very California, very Orange County. And we've been playing there for a few years, um, and we've been trying to talk to the state the owners about how we can sign a a longer term deal there, get things like stadium naming rights and just try and build our club. And we've been beginning to sell out of the stadium. So we're looking at what more we can do there in terms of growing the size of the the stadium and just having, making it more of a long-term home Mm -hmm. and discussions were ongoing and we weren't really making a lot of progress. And then out of nowhere, there was going to be a council meeting we found out five days before it where there was a proposal where LA Galaxy bring in their MLS Next Pro team so effectively the third division of US football their academy team and we would be evicted from the stadium and this would be from 2023 onwards so at five days notice we found out that our neighbouring MLS club literally with Los Angeles in their title was trying to use our stadium, but more importantly, trying to evict us from it because they wanted an exclusive deal. So we obviously immediately rallied our fans. But what was most interesting for us is the entire soccer community rallied. So our fans were obviously upset, furious, and confused. But Mm. USL teams elsewhere, San Diego and Phoenix, our, our keenest rivals, were very supportive. Actually, a lot of Galaxy fans, a lot of LAFC fans. We had a lot of support from people. And I think people saw it for what it was, which is a very rich, very well-resourced MLS team trying to take something away from a USL team. It was very much a David and Goliath situation. I think it football fans, frankly, around the world, immediately understood what that was because everyone's got that story of... I mean, I'm an AFC Wimbledon fan in England and we went through a version of this where our club had to start again from scratch. Nobody wants non-football things to happen to their football team. You know, winning and losing is all part of the game. Referees' mistakes, red cards, you know, that's just football. But when something else happens, somebody tries to take your stadium, you know, poor handling by an owner puts the team bankrupt. All those stories that happen around the football world, fans immediately have sympathy for the fans whose team are going through that. And we were amazed at the level of support we received from across the soccer community, across America and beyond for our team. We Our fans sat through four-hour and then a six-hour council meeting trying to lobby support for us. And in the end, the council took a vote and said that we would be guaranteed that we could use the stadium in 2023, which was an enormous relief. And there is a question mark about 24 onwards. But for now, we're focused on, on you know Hamburg next week and, and next season. But our relationship with our fans is in an incredible place now because of what we all went through together. And we understood now what our club means to our fans and we understand where we sit in the, in the football hierarchy in America because, you know, USL is important and people don't like MLS teams trying to take advantage of their size and harming community teams. And that's what we are and that's what people really want, I think, nowadays, is a team with a, a history and a community and we're building that and we're, we're pleased that that was recognised and now we move forward as a community team with fans of local soccer? I
2: think it's really, I think this is really important to stress. And I think a lot of people, again, you know, a a huge part of our listenership on this podcast is American, so they they probably understand. But for those people who are tuning in from other countries, the UK, for example, I think it's really important to understand people, United States often gets a bad reputation for how it handles soccer or football or whatever you want to call it. I travel a lot through North America, whether it's Canada um, or the United States for soccer events. And people are very knowledgeable about the game. The people who care about the game really do care about the game and they know a lot about the game. And I thought this was a really great example of where people really understood what was at stake. And I think there is a lot of LA Galaxy fans and LAFC fans and Los Angeles is a soccer mad city. Um, I, I realized that after the, during the MLS Cup final that I covered this last weekend or the, by the time this comes out the weekend before right um and Dan this is this is something that always strikes me do you find that this the same impression that you got it is really is a country a sleeping giant when it comes to soccer and events like that really makes you realize how important the game is to people
0: yeah I, I think that's exactly right I mean you know you and I grew up in Europe so we grew up with football, you know, with football on TV. Um, I think we're old enough that people actually read newspapers, so you know, <laughs> you know, the newspapers every day. You know, in the playground at recess, you know, in breaks, uh, you know, we we kicked a tennis ball around because there wasn't space for a football. But you just, it's just, it's all consuming. Every Every advert on television has got a footballer as the star. That's just mm. what it was. And obviously, you move to America and, you know, it's it's basketball and it's American football. And hockey. it's football and hockey. And it's hockey. hockey. And there's, yeah. it, there's a lot of other sports here and they consume, you know, if you, when I first moved to, you know, I, I studied in Canada 20 years ago and, I, you know, you watch ESPN and when they do the top 10 plays, 10 of them were from the major sports. Now, you know, an overhead kick or an amazing save will make it in there from soccer now. It's just becoming part of the the conversation and it's a, it's a harder journey in America because of the other sports, but it is growing. And the people who like football really like football, you know, the number of people you speak to, particularly on the West coast who now get up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to watch. I'll be about it, Dan. (laughs) You and I are up bored. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people care and people, you know, you see people wearing football shirts. if you go to Disneyland, there's people wearing, you know, Barcelona kits, you know, it's, it's really becoming part of the culture. And obviously they support their local football team, but they understand what's happening. And World Cup fever is really gripping now. You know, the sports betting world is heavily betting on football in a way that you couldn't before, and which is a sign that you know of that level of interest. So it really is growing here. And I think, you know, I've only lived in America for eight years and you've just, even in that time, you can really feel that change. And I think, you know, in 10 years' time... After a successful World Cup where America see America won't go far in this World Cup because they won't be able to get past England, but at the next World Cup when, <laughs> <You're> uh, <liars. laughs> when they probably will go deep into the knockout rounds in the home World Cup when yeah. these players have been playing in Europe are four years more experienced. I think you know soccer in America is going to be in a completely different place in a few years' time. And I think everyone's realising that and wants to be part of that journey now. I think this, this has been hugely fascinating, and I think we can probably do this
2: forever. Unfortunately, we also need to make room for, for Patrick Rakowski. But before we, we finish this segment of the show, I, I want to ask you, I mean, this is such a huge opportunity for Orange County with Hamburger as fall coming. In your words, what does it mean for this? What does this game, game mean for the club? And what should people expect? Just tell us
0: your expectations in a few words. So I think for us, with our mission of Community Heart Global Vision, this is the perfect game. So when you come to our beautiful stadium, we want you to see on the field a really good level of soccer. And you're going to see that because we've got this fantastic team coming in from Europe, you know, this historic championship winning team coming in to play us and you'll see our young players who are the future of American soccer and you'll see all that on the field so that's one part of it for us it's the on field but then the off field you know there'll be this slightly controversial German style beer fest but there'll be fans (laughs) and there'll be people enjoying themselves and you know the German fans will be sitting with the American fans we'll all be friends together and it'll be a lovely experience of family-friendly entertainment off the field and the imagery you'll see after the game of, you know, German fans sharing a beer with Orange County fans. Yeah, that's, that's what soccer off the field looks like. So I think for us, this game sums the whole thing up of what we're trying to achieve as a club. It will be high-quality soccer product on the field and a wonderful environment around the game.
2: November 15th. Come out if you're in the L.A. area. And you're not kidding, Dan. The stadium is gorgeous. I looked up pictures. And L.A. is a great place to visit. Southern California is awesome. There's a great beer culture there. Don't get turned off by the Oktoberfest style. The beer culture is great. I sampled a whole bunch myself when I was uh, covering the MLS Cup final. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And I wish you huge success with this game.
0: Thank you very much for, for giving us this, this platform. Um, and as you know, the Bundesliga grows its presence over here, we may well have other teams to visit in the future. Um, and I'd love to come and tell you about those as things progress. And uh,
2: next time I'm down in LA, I'm going to come and visit and watch a game. I can't. Uh, I'm really sad that I couldn't make it for this one. Other okay. obligations, unfortunately. But um, yes, this has been great. Uh, Patrick Kukowski next. So yeah, up next, I'm joined by Patrick Rakowski. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Um, it's been a while. We, we spoke last year um, as part of a Transfermarkt interview. Um, if you want to check that out, you can go to Transfermarkt. That's still up. But um, obviously, that was right before your USL Championship final against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, where you said you would be the underdogs and you ended up winning the game. Um, I know this is super belated. Congrats. <laughs> um, this year, a little bit more difficult, eh, Patrick?
1: Yes, a little bit uh, difficult uh, season for us. I think Orange County is a team who wants to develop young players. And I mean, the club definitely reached that goal. We uh, transferred the player, Kobe Henry, to uh, start Reigns in the uh, French First Division. Um, at that point, or at that time, and on- I think it's still the highest um, transfer in the USL history. So the club definitely achieved that goal. On top of that, we have a bunch of young kids who, who could make maybe a, a similar step. So we definitely achieved that as a club. But uh, sporting wise, league wise, we definitely uh, disappointed this year.
2: Yeah. I guess that is one of the big issues, right? When you have so many talented players, Dan Rudstein, uh, or Dan Rudstein, as he wants to be called on this podcast, mm-hmm. to emphasize the Germanness of the show, um, pointed out that this is one of the big things with Orange County SC that they do develop young players, and I guess this is the price that you have to pay when you have so many young players. And on the one hand you want to be a stepping stone club and you want to develop players and you want to carry it, move them on. But on the other hand, that can also mean that you will have a season that's a bit more bit more difficult, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think last year we were, we were a little bit lucky. Um, we, have, we were kind of in a flow. We won games, but we maybe should not have won. Um, if you look at the playoff games, we, we beat Colorado. Kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about that, we got after like 18 minutes a red card. Um but we were just defensively really strong and then we went two times into a PK shootout, won that, and uh, then the final was just a dream with uh, going a half time three zero up. Um but if you look in the whole season, we were a defensive strong team and we were to, we were way more experienced players than this year. Mm. Um and I mean, I, I understand the club wants to develop young players, but I think we a little bit um, paid the price for that. I know that's a really German sentence now, but I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so last year we were ex- experienced. Uh, we, we had this, a lot of injuries this, le- this year um, with Brian Aloski, who was one of the key players up front. His brother mm-hmm. had a, an amazing season. Uh, Milan Olofsky. Um then back, I mean, with Rob Kiernan, who was one of the most important defensive players last year, out the whole year. Um, then a bunch of injuries. Um, if I think about Brand Richards, was probably out almost half a season. Um, so there were a lot of unlucky injuries, and then we played with a lot of young players. I don't think we performed bad. But we had, of course, also a little target on our back as uh, the current champions. So everyone who played against us was their champions. We want to be better than them, and we didn't have that target last year. I think last year a lot of players were like, oh yeah, they're defensively strong, but actually they're not playing good. Um, And I think that was our big advantage last year. So So with
2: the the season in mind, and I I guess it's the, the best is to just put a big check mark behind it and move on. Um having a team like Hamburgers for come to Orange County. And I know this is this is something where the club has is going to put on quite a big show. Um I was talking to Dan already about the Oktoberfest style and he obviously clarified this is a beer festival. So anyone who's listening to this and is of the Hamburg origin, don't get hung up on the term Oktoberfest. But for you fans, this is quite a, a great opportunity, isn't it? To have a team from Europe come in, sort of provide a highlight um, after missing the playoffs, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, how disappointing that season was. I think the club wanted to give the fans something back. I think with getting uh, Hamburg, I mean, they play second division, but if you're honest, they're a first division team um, from the name and also from the squad. If I'm not wrong, they are leading the second second league right now and mm-hmm. playing probably the best soccer in that league. Um, it's going to be a big game for our fans. It's going to be really difficult for us as Orange County. Um, we don't need to... Well, we have to be honest that they are better than us. Um, so it's going to be a really difficult game for us, but for the fans it should be a really nice game. Also, yes, it's in it was... They said always it's a beer fest, not Oktoberfest. I think it was just a little bit unlucky when they promoted it. They put like uh, Hilfeweizen and pretzels on it. And that's, of course, a little bit. And I think they put even a Lederhosen on it. Yeah,
2: that's a no go, so, Patrick. As a Bavarian, like. <laughs>
1: yeah, yes, it was really Bavarian. So I don't think that was any intentional of like, no, we do an Oktoberfest. I think this is a little bit, this, this people or American people think this is a little bit Germany. Pretzel, beer and Lederhosen. So I think it was no offense or anything wrong about it. This is just how maybe Germans are thinking about the USA, it's burgers and Super Bowl, everyone.
2: So yeah. I guess stereotypes really do work both directions. In terms of I mean this you used to the Bundesliga and you know that this this the impact that it has. And then you come over to North America and um, you and I are both Germans living in North America and um, working in, in this game and trying to promote this game. And the Bundesliga is, of course, the number two, probably, and maybe number three, if you add La Liga as well, in terms of the big, big leagues. But how important do you think it is? And this goes both ways, doesn't it? For the Bundesliga to, pro- to increase their reach in German in, in the United States, but also for a club like Hamburg to come to Orange County and to then help grow the game within Orange County as well and within Los Angeles, how important do you think that is?
1: Well, I think it's big for us as uh, Orange County, but also for the USL. I don't think that the USL is a bad league at all. I think we have a lot of quality individual players. I think the Americans football or soccer is... Still, way behind. If we talk about tactical stuff, if that's maybe a little bit American system that you don't have really club academies, yeah. but it's all more colleges, high school, etc. And they, I don't, and I don't have a lot of knowledge about it, but I don't think that they really are focusing on the tactical part. They are more about, I pl- you play three years high school and I wanna win, and if that means we're gonna play every ball forward. Long forward, mm. then that's how your high school is gonna play if they think they can win and be national champions. And same with the college. So I think the biggest issue with American football is currently that they're a little bit missing the tactical. What maybe we as the Europeans, Germans, you learn it already when you are maybe ten, eleven, twelve. I remember when I came to Schalke, at a fourteen-year-old. Mm. We were playing four-three-three slash four-two-three-one, and we knew how to shift over. We know how to press. So everything was like fluent. We didn't have to think about it. And here you come and maybe some people never played that formation. Or, so I think we are a little bit behind that, but it's all growing. And I think having an opponent like Hamburg gives, push the, push the community to focus more on soccer. And I mean, you live here and if people... Um, following the U.S. and also US, the USL, you can see that it's growing and it's getting better and better. So I'm sure they're going to catch up. Um, it's still going to take time, but it's not a bad league at all.
2: Yeah, I think people underestimate um, the the growth of US, of U.S. soccer in general. I mean, I was just at the MLS final, right? And the impact it had there. And it was it was a fantastic game. And I, I do agree, though, with you that sometimes it seems like fundamentals are missing. And I, I find it really interesting that both in the USL and in Major League Soccer, you have players now go into the first team aged 14, 15, very young. Do you think that's because they don't have auto, like the development path? It's almost better for them to do the development path via the first team because they do lack that tactical um, foundation so this is a way for them to get it because they haven't gotten it previously and now you essentially press them into the first teams and ensure that they get get that knowledge that way is that
1: what you think it is it might be i'm a little bit my mind is like a little bit split so i think going to a first team at the age of 14 is way too young in my opinion Um, just because your body wise you're not ready Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe the earliest is maybe 16 17. Um, if you look at the example of Mukoko, um, who was probably one of the best, is maybe the best player in his age, but and I think he's not the tiny guy, like, I think he's a pretty good size for his age, but still, if he plays against like Bayern Munich, if we compare him to like Niklas Züler or someone, he has no chance. Um, and I think that if we go even younger, into 14, I think just the injury part could be a problem. Yeah. Because in training, yes, I will take care of him. Like I will watch out that I'm not injuring him. But in a game, it's a different story. I want to win the game. I want to win the ball. And I don't care if the guy in front of me is 10 or if he's 40. I'm going for the ball. And if I have to go hard into you, I'll go hard into you. And I think that could be a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, yes, I agree with you that I think a lot of these young high talented players if they go back to college um i think they would just lose years yeah. soccer-wise yeah. like you go into a college and it might be a great college i don't know but they're probably going to develop way more or way better if they can play in the first team and be in training in an mls squad and maybe play for the second team um then going back to college so yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that—that that they come that early into the first teams here. But I understand why they are doing it. Mm. Yeah, that is an interesting debate.
2: You, of course, I want to talk a little bit about your career and um, going. Th- you came through Schalke. You were at Nuremberg. We talked about that a little bit last year, right? With um, um, on in the interview. But you have people forget that you are only 29. Quote, unquote, only. Um, but you have an interesting career too, Patrick. Um, it wasn't always straightforward. Um, the, if you want to read it in more detail, I urge you to read the interview we did last year. But take us in as quickly as you possibly can through the steps and how you actually ended up at US, the at USL championship team.
1: Okay, so basically... I grew up in Germany and the Czech Republic Uh, at the age of 14. I ran from the Czech Republic to Schalke. Played there for four years. Um, Then I signed for Nuremberg. Played there for basically six years. Played over these six years, I think, 40 games, 39 games in the first and second division. Um, But my main role was the second goalkeeper. Um, I had an offer before my contract ended to go into the third division. Um, At that time, to be really honest, I went after the money um, because I I had the first division contract and it was just way too much money to lose at that time. Um, Maybe football-wise the wrong decision. Um, But all in all, so my contract ended. Um, I wanted to be the first keeper finally after six years being basically the number two. The right offers didn't came, and then I went to Belgium, second division, mm. Um Maybe the older generation knows them. They were at some point in Champions League. Um, but yeah, played there, had a really good season. We were on a second spot, um, one point behind the first team, and then our team went bankrupt. Um, so again, free agent. At that time, I married my American wife, And our goal was to go to the US. Um, The green green card takes a little bit of time. So we decided to go to Finland because they are on the same um, league schedule, time schedule, uh, because I think it's a little bit difficult to transfer to any US in the summer when they are Mm mid-season. So played in Finland two years and then signed here in Orange Comedy.
2: And you have done quite well there. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> First year was amazing. Second year, a little bit disappointing. What, what's the what's your future going to be like, Patrick? Um, I, I look at your Transfermarkt page and I see your contract expires at the end of the month. Is that still accurate? What's what's going on there? Yes. And I mean, you are one of the top keepers in the league. Do you have aspirations to maybe go to MLS?
1: So I'm not going to stay at Orange County. That's already for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely going to move. Um, I don't know where yet. Um, the goal would be to stay in the US, um, probably stay in the USL because, how we said earlier, I would like to play and not be on a bench right now. Yeah. Um, because I'm still 29, I think I could I can still play a few years. And I also know if you make the step onto the bench somewhere, it might be difficult to go back into playing. Um, so I would like to keep playing. I would like to stay probably in the USL, open, of course, for everything. Um, and I hope I'll have uh, some more information in the next few weeks. But you
2: are going to play the game against Hamburg? Is that your final game then for, the, yeah, for Orange County? Yeah, that's going my
1: final game for Orange County. Um, I assume I will play. I don't know how much. I, I would just guess I'll play 45 minutes because I think we're all going to get the experience of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that's gonna be my final game for Orange County.
2: Oh man, I think you had such a big impact on that on that organization. Um, For anyone listening in, for any Orange County fan listening in, what has it been like playing for the club?
1: I think the goal when I signed, the message from the club was really clear: we want to win the champion, like the USL Championship, Mm. and we achieved that. And so that was amazing. I think, we, how I said already one year ago, I think we're we the underdogs uh, kind of the whole season. Um, and just to achieve, see the support, what we had is amazing. Then if you look on the audience, how many people we actually had last year compared to this year, like we have more people in the stadium this year than last year in the final. And that's just a little bit crazy if you think how we are playing. And um, this is just showing how the soccer is growing especially here, maybe in Orange County. And a, a game against Hamburg is just helping. And it's going to help more to get the stadium more full. Um, who knows? I don't know what the plan is with Orange County to maybe extend the stadium, mm. etc. But uh, I could see that um, maybe in a few years, we are not at 5,000 people, but we'll be maybe at seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people here.
2: It's a special club. You saw that when LA's, LAFC tried, uh, not LAFC, LA Galaxy tried to evict them or Irvine, the city of Irvine, uh, because of the LA Galaxy tried to evict um, the team and the, the way the community rallied um, was incredible. How did you experience all of that?
1: Um, I mean, we hear, of course, about it. Um, we as a place have don't have a big impact about it. But, mm. of course, we hear, we read, we get messages, how many people are showing up in the court. Uh, I think the, the first hearing... Uh, Fans had to wait, I think, four or five hours until they even start listening to Orange County. Um, So the support of the fans was definitely really amazing. And I also also experienced different times where the season doesn't go well and the fans can get pretty mad. And here you just felt the constant support. So that was really nice. And a big thank you to the fans for that. And how I said, I think the club is going to grow. I think the fan base is going to grow. And I'm curious what's going to happen in the next few years. Yeah, I think everyone is really curious. How fitting is
2: it for you then to hopefully uh, play your last game against Hamburger SV? Well? You know, a team from Germany, from your home. Uh, I mean, that must be very
1: special, right? Yes, I mean, it's nice to play against someone like that. I actually know two guys from the team at Sonny Kittel. I mm-hmm. played with him in the national team a few years. Uh, and Tim Leibold, who's currently injured, so I hope he's traveling. Um, I played with him, I think, four years, three, four years in Nuremberg. So it would be pretty nice to catch up with them. Um, then, of course, it's my last game. Um, I know it's my last game, so it's also a little bit of a different situation, maybe where you don't know what's going to happen. So it's going to be a special game for me, um, and I'm just looking forward for it.
2: Are you going to take them? Where would you take your friends if you you have friends coming in from Hamburg all the way from Germany? Where would you take them? I mean, I assume that after the game there will be some time to maybe catch up, right? So where in Orange County does Patrick Rokowski take his buddies from Germany?
1: Ooh, good question. <laughs> um, somewhere where they have the most beer, I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I know... If you have been in Orange County, but it's not really a city. So it's pretty spread out everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that we have a legit downtown. So probably the best place to go is probably the Newport area, Um, Newport Beach. So that's probably an area where where I would go. Does Patrick Rakowski surf? I mean, everyone
2: in California
1: surfs, right? (laughs) To be honest, no. I should have done it (laughs) and I never went in. I know that few guys tried it. Um, my good friend, Mikko Kuningas, um, I saw him one time trying to surf. I saw him falling and I said, nope, that's not me. So, <laughs> so yeah, I like to watch it, but uh, I can't surf.
2: <laughs> I'm bringing out all the stereotypes here, of course, about California. Uh, I'm just really curious what you're going to do next. I guess maybe you don't even know that yet. Uh, I'm really curious about this game, what should people who are watching from Germany, or people from other parts of the United States, and this game is on November fifteenth. To, to repeat it one more time, um, it is on ESPN Plus. If you're tuning in, I think it's also being broadcasted in Germany. What should people expect?
1: Um, I think as a Amer- if I would be an American watching the Hamburg, oh, as an American watching the game, I would see. It's going to be definitely a different style of football from Hamburg. It's going to be definitely more ball orientated. Um, you can see that they're going to be probably way more comfortable on the ball than we are. It's going to be probably way faster than what we are used to. Um, and you can, how we mentioned already at the beginning, it's going to be probably way more structured, way more organized. Um, on the other side, if you're German, you can see that we have actually some individual uh, talent. Um, I don't want to say that we are better than the, the Hamburg players, but uh, definitely better than what you think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game. We're definitely going to fight. We definitely want to try to win, of course. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see American style against German style. Well,
2: I, again, everyone should be tuning in. Um, this show is brought to you by Bet Online, Patrick, that was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best for your future. wherever Whoever is going to sign you, they're going to sign a top-notch goalkeeper. I've seen you play. Um, this is my endorsement right now. If you're an MLS team or USL team looking for a goalkeeper, um, <laughs> give Patrick a call because he's pretty good. Uh, Patrick, any final things you want to add before we wrap
1: this up? No. Um, or oh, Yes, uh, come to the stadium. Um, it's going to be... It's gonna be a beer fest, not an Oktoberfest. And um, yeah, I think the stadium will be sold out. Um, and if you can't come to the stadium, watch it on ESPN. It's gonna be an interesting game. I think so too. Well, thanks
2: once again. And now for everyone listening in, until next time, auf Wiedersehen.